uh, of, of youth group to Sunday mornings because we want, I, I want you guys to be informed of what the, what the youth are learning. But uh, this morning, that's, that's kind of like what we're doing for Youth Sunday and what we're going to be continuing on through our message. But this message is, I feel like, very tailor-made, what, the message that God's given me, very tailor-made for our church today. And a part of that is why the church exists. I, I, hear me out. I think it's, it's so much fun coming here and being able to celebrate, coming here and being able to just hang out and scream at the top of our lungs and have, have pump-up pump music. Some people immediately have already left the building and they're like, I don't like this. But please, don't be one of those people. I, I, I beg of you. But, but we have fun here at Central Assembly. Yeah, yes, praise God for that. Because I feel like, I don't feel like, I know that the gospel is based upon relationship. And relationships, I know that God made tailor, tailor-made to be enjoyed. And if, if, relationships are at the, if relationship is at the center of the gospel, and relationships are meant to be enjoyed, I think that we're allowed to have fun at church. And we have that all the time here when Pastor Tom's preaching. And if you're a guest this morning and you're feeling like, I don't know what just happened, I'm on sensory overload, <laughs> I just, wanna put, I, I just want, to let, want to let you know you are at church, number one, all right? And number two, you're allowed to have fun this morning. This is a place where you can relax, and we're going to ha- enjoy this morning. Uh, are you guys going to enjoy m- this morning with me? Are you guys going to enjoy Sunday morning? I should hope so. But I want to go into why the church exists this morning. And see, there, we, we have a lot throughout the New Testament that helps explain why the church exists. And thankfully, because if we didn't have direction, then we would be aimless in, in, our, in our purpose. But thankfully, God, give it, God has given us purpose for, uh, for the church. And when I, I'm not just talking about Central Assembly. I'm talking about the Big C Church here this morning. In Colossians 3.16, Colossians 3.16 says, let the, God, sorry, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So Colossians 3.16 helps communicate the first purpose, the first part of why we exist as the church, why God created us as the church. We're supposed to be coming together and meeting together as one. We're supposed to be in unity with one another, teaching each other, encouraging one another, building each other up, admonishing one another. That means to earnestly urge one another on, or in some cases also correcting each other. So we're supposed to come together to teach one another, to admonish one another, and also to sing together. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We're supposed to be coming together in thankfulness, praising God for what he's done, thanking God for who he is and worshiping him for that as well. So that is what we see here in Colossians 3.16. These things are good. And I think these things CAG, Central Assembly, does very well. But wait, there's more. Ephesians 4.11 through 13. I'm going to read 11 and 12 here. And then we're going to take a, take a short break. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he gave, God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Wow. Yes, that was almost a whoopsie. But no, it's the body of Christ. There we go. Some people are going like, oh, no, the youth pastor's preaching. This is a, oh, no. Yes, expect less production. No, no. Lord. I'm in your hands. Okay. Uh, but we see here in, in, in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, the first, 
the first part of, the, of this scripture, we, we see our second purpose for existing as the church. Now, some of you might be thinking when we just look at this at, at face value, okay, so God, Samuel, when it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, that means to make the body stronger, right? That means to make us, to make us stronger as a body, to, to help, us, help us in our existence as the church. And the, the New Testament is very clear about that being a purpose. In fact, we just talked about Colossians 3.16 being that. But I think that we're missing the point if we just stop at verse 12 and do not continue on. Because verse 13 is very telling of what it means that we're supposed to be building up the body of Christ. It's not just building up the effectiveness, the, the effectiveness of, of, of the church. And it's not just building up the spirituality of the existing church. Let's read for, uh, verse 13 here. I'll, I'll read verse 12 and then 13. So the, the leaders are meant to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Let me repeat that. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, it's, so when we look at this scripture, it's a little bit telling in, in the ultimate context of what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. The word all here is actually translated from the Greek, and the word is pas. Not pus, but uh, that's gross. Pas, okay? Oh, it's the youth pastor. I can't believe. Oh, no. We let him off the chain again. But the word pas means all. The whole. It's in reference to all things or everything in, in reference to the subject brought up in context. Samuel, that's a lot of jargon. What does that mean? When verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of Christ, I believe that, that Paul is making the reference to our second purpose as, of existing as the church, which is our purpose, our mission to build up the body of Christ by making it larger, by bringing more people who do not know Christ in. We all, as in mankind, we all, as in reference to all of us together. The verse is in reference of all mankind being unified in the faith and having the knowledge of Jesus Christ being the end goal for the church. See, for some of us here, we're thinking, Revelation, all right, like... Uh, Let's go. Some of you who are really excited about Revelation, here we go. There's a little moment for you. But, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but, but for Revelation, it's at the end of the age, there's going to be a moment when there's a battle between, between those who know Christ and those who do not. And then also the army of Christ is going to come and, it's gonna, and uh, there's going to be this ultimate battle where Jesus wins and he comes out on top. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Am I right? Come on. But what that means is that who is left? Those who are in Christ. Until that moment, our, the, the purpose of the church persists. We are, supposed, we are existing here, number one. Yes, in Colossians 3.16, it talks about we're supposed to be encouraging one another, building each other up. Yes, that exists. That's, that's what Colossians 3.16 says. But Ephesians 4.11-13, this is in reference to the leaders of the church equipping the saints to build up the body of Christ, to bring more people into the fold, to bring people to the knowledge of Christ. All, we all attain unity until we all attain unity. 
And until that moment at the end of Revelation when God is ultimately one, the church needs to persist. So we have two parts of our purpose. We're supposed to be unified as a group of people who can teach and encourage one another to God. We see that. And I think that we, like I said before, we as Central Assembly are, are pretty good about that. Pastor Tom, I, I, I think that it's incredible how you have such a heart for teaching. And when it comes, to, not only when you're, when you're preaching a sermon on Sunday morning, but when you're in Sunday school, you have a passion for teaching. Well, also when you're doing, uh, when you're, when you're doing your Saturday, Saturday morning discipleship, when you're doing Take Five, the passion you have in teaching people how to be a disciple. That's incredible, and that has been interworked all throughout our culture here at Central Assembly. We have a passion for teaching and for learning. Sometimes correction comes about. And honestly, when there's, when there's times of correction in our church, I'm surprised each time about how well this body takes correction and says, okay, this is, what, this is the direction that God wants us to go, not the direction that we thought we were supposed to go. We want to follow God. I applaud every one of our, of our church here in that. We can take the correction, we can take the teaching, and we do very well with worshiping. This morning was incredible. Can we just give up one more time for the students that, 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 pray, uh, that were worshiping this morning? They did an incredible job. I am so proud of, the, of my students. I know that we love and support each other quite effectively here. But how are we doing with building up the body of believers? And this is an honest question that I want us to look at this morning. And this isn't out of admonishment, since we brought up that word earlier. This isn't out of correction. This is out of deep thought. How are we doing with building up the body of Christ this morning? Often, when we think about Reaching new people for church. When I say new people, I, some people can see this differently. The way I want to, I wish that we could def- define new people is people who come to experience Jesus for the first time. That would be awesome. But some people can define new people as, as, as a different, in a different way, okay? And see that as like people coming from other churches or people coming that, that just moved to the area that are trying to find a church that, that are already... Christians, they already know Jesus. That's not a bad thing, all right? And, and for anybody who's new this morning, I want you to know that nobody's looking over their shoulder at you. Nobody's looking at you weird. Uh, I, I need to bring this up because this is what God's put on my heart. Honestly, for anybody who's a new guest this morning, you are a blessing and, and, and an answer to prayer. Like, like Pastor Tom said, we do believe that. But sometimes when we see the term new person and when we hear from our leadership we want, we want to be open to new people coming. A question can creep into our minds. What about me? What about me? When we think about this question, what about me, it all of a sudden becomes to this idea of, I've been here for a while. I, I mean, I, I've been doing stuff for, uh, uh, in this ministry for a while. What about the recognition that I should be getting? When we do this, we narrow our opportunities for effectiveness. We see this in the, in the parable of the prodigal son. Now, before we get into the portions of scripture on the screen, I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap of, the, of a, a little summarization, or summary, summarization. That was a long word, an attempt at a long word that doesn't exist. All right, but 
It's because the youth pastor's preaching. I mean, I'm, I'm just, yes. Oh. I'm going to give a short summary of the parable of the, the prodigal son. Now, this is a story that Jesus told, not necessarily based upon history, but based upon a point that he wanted to get across. Some of us know it, and for those who don't, I'm going to summarize. The prodigal son is a story of two sons and a father. And the younger of the two sons went to his father, discontent, saying, Father, I want my inheritance now, and I'm, I'm going to go on my own way. And I don't know for any parents out there, if you heard that immediately from, from a person that was, like, say, your 16-year-old son or daughter, if you had a 16-year-old son or daughter come up to you and say, Dad, I want the inheritance that you're going to give me, and I'm just going to run away. You know, I'm, just, I'm taking off. You're, immediately in that moment, you're probably thinking, uh, no, <laughs> that's not happening, okay? But, this, but the father in this story actually says, all right, here's your inheritance. And then the prodigal son took his inheritance, and he went off to a foreign land. There he goes, and he spends his money like crazy, like sometimes some of us do when we're on vacation or something like that. Guilty. You know, like there's moments where we do this. But it wasn't, it wasn't just vacation frivolous spending, right? Buying that extra mug that you definitely didn't need. Once again, guilty. I, uh, yeah, I did that this summer. But, but it wasn't just buying an extra, you know, like coffee mug or something like that. He spent all of his money in order to be popular and, and gain new friends. He, he spent his money on all the pleasures that he wanted. And these friends that stood by, they were happy to, to, to be with him as long as the money was there. As soon as the money ran out, the friends split. And the prodigal son, the younger son, is left with nothing. So he goes and he gets a job as a pig shepherd, essentially. And while he's there looking after the pigs, he looks at the pea pods, the, the, the slop that's being thrown for them for food, and he's like, I'm thinking about eating that. First off, that's nasty. Second of all, how do you get to a point of such depravity where you think that pig slop is a good option for you? The prodigal son came to a, came to a realization that he needed to be with his father again. So he goes, so he, so he leaves pig shepherding behind, and he, on his way home to his father, he comes up with a plan. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going I'm to ask him if I can be his servant. I, I, I don't know if I even deserve to be his son anymore. I just want to be his servant because the servants even ate better than I did, that, that I am right now. I'm just going to go and apologize. I'm going to plead to him just to be his servant, just to be back in his household. On the path, on the way, on the way home, the son is walking, and as he's coming to his father's house, the father sees him from afar, runs to him, and just immediately shows him love and affection, grasps him, and then starts loving him. And then the, the son is trying to get the words out, Father, I'm sorry. Father, I, I, I just want to be a servant in your household. I don't deserve anything more. But the father says, no. You are my son. And I am, I'm just happy to have you home. So then he calls for the fattened calf to be killed, to make a, a grand feast, a celebration for his son. And then also he says, bring a robe, bring a, bring a robe and a, and a ring to put on my son. A celebration will be held in his honor, for my son is home. This, this story is often 
often taken and shown as a, as a sign of inspiration of God's love because that's what it is, the Father's love for his people. But often we can just stop right there. That, but honestly, that's not where the story ends. The story continues. The story continues in Luke 15, 28 through 30. See, the, I talked about two characters for a little bit, the younger son, and I talked about the father, but there's also one more. There's also the older of the two sons. The older son, he never left. He never left his father. The older son stayed in his father's house and showed diligence in, in his work and continued to honor his father. And when he finds out that there's, being, that, that, that there's going to be a celebration in his, in his younger son, his foolish son's honor, he's, he's thinking, what's going on? He becomes angry. And we pick up in Luke 15, verse 28. But he, the older son, was angry, and he refused to go in, going into the party. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered the father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, when this son of yours, when he came, who was who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. The older son is bitter. The older son is all of a sudden overtaken with with anger. And And he's wondering, why does this foolish sinner, why does he get the attention? Why I've been here being, doing my due diligence this entire time. I have been here giving you honor, respect this entire time. And what does he get? He gets a party. I never even got an extra animal to celebrate with my friends. He thought the father saw him as lesser in this moment. He even thought, even though he had stayed and worked diligently when the other brother had left, And sometimes we can have the same mentality. Sometimes we can get caught up with the question of what about me? Sometimes we get caught up with questions like why does our leadership seemingly focus on reaching new people? I've been here for years sewing into this ministry. Why do I not get any attention? What about me? I, I, can, I can feel that there are some gears turning already in the room. And for those who are responding in anger right now, please know that I am not basing this sermon off of any story from Central Assembly or any other church. I believe that God's given me this message in, with passion, not in order to scold anyone here, but to help us think deeply on, this, on the subject. Fortunately, we also get a response from the father in Luke 15. The story doesn't just end with a bitter son. The story ends in Luke 15, 31 and 32 with the father's response. And he said, the father said to the son, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. The father corrected his son in love. He didn't discipline his son in the moment, as some of us might be tempted to do in a moment where a son is mouthing off. 
You know, it's just like, uh, no, that's not happening right now. <laughs> Instead of coming at the son with anger or some sort of, or some sort of upsetness, we'll, we'll, we'll work with it, yeah, sure. <laughs> the father corrected his son in love. And, and he corrected the son by saying, you are not missing out on anything. You've had access to my riches for as long as you've been here. You had access to my wealth. You've had access to my household. Everything has been at your fingertips for, these long, for this long stretch of time while your brother's been gone. You've been in my love and with me in my love for this, for this long stretch of time. This prodigal son has been apart from me and apart from my household for so many years. Well, we say years, but for so, for so, so, so long of time. We welcome him back and celebrate him because he had that moment where he understood he needed my love. We are celebrating him coming back because once he, he was just as if he was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost to me, but now he is found again and he's returned to my household. We celebrate this because we want him to know that he made the right choice. The older son was able to live in the father's household for all the whole time while the, while the prodigal was gone. And we too have been experiencing the presence of God for so long. Some of us longer than others. But some of us have been living in God's goodness for years. So, so from, for like, like me, I've been saved since I was young, all right? But I've been, so I've been living in God's good, goodness, his riches for so long. Some may have been saved only for a couple months, Maybe even a couple weeks. But in that time, you've been able to experience the fullness of God. We get to experience God working here every Sunday even. Some people might interpret that and go like, but there's not a certain like boom moment every week. No, but we're fulfilling our purpose as a church, that first purpose. We come together, we're able to sing together and worship God together, praise him for what he's done, worship him for who he is. Then also we get to hear a sermon from Pastor Tom or from anybody else on the staff, and we're able to be, able, we're able to be encouraged and uplifted. So we're finding fulfillment. We're experiencing God on a weekly basis. On Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights for the youth, and also right now we're doing connect groups. We're able to dive into the word together and draw out and teach one another a part of our purpose. Experiencing God. But we should be desiring this for those who don't know Christ too. Um, I don't know if we all heard, heard that. We need, to be dis- we need to be desiring this for those who don't know Christ too. Amen? Because if, if we have a whole city superior in the surrounding areas that have plenty of people that don't know Jesus and they don't know his love yet, we can't just sit by and go, I'm fine. We need to have our hearts broken for those people. Because if we truly believe that Christ's love is worth sharing, we need to do just that. We need to live with purpose. And a question that we can ask ourselves is, are we living like the party, the celebration? 
Are we living like the, the, all the people that, that were part of the Father's household, that were, celebrating with the, that were celebrating with the Father, that was celebrating his Son, and they were happy that the Son had come home? Just about 20 minutes ago, we were over here playing this game, and there was so much boisterous noise in here. It was awesome, but it was incredible. People were getting loud. People were getting excited for a, sim- a simple game of, oh, I was really hoping that would score, but for a simple game of just popping a ping pong ball into a cup. If we can get excited about this, why can't we get excited about the party, about celebrating people into the fold of Jesus, into the church, to the people that had that moment where they first know Jesus for the first time? Can we get excited, church? Can we get excited? Yes, we can get excited. But are we getting excited? Are we the party? Or are we like the older son? Where's my recognition? What about me? I've been with you this whole time, Jesus. Or I've been with you this whole time, Pastor. And yet we continue to make these changes based upon bringing in new people, bringing in new faces. What about me? Once again, I reiterate this because I, I, I feel that people might get angry or upset because they, they might think, of, I'm, think I'm drawing this off of a, of a specific story, and I'm not. Not from CAG, not from another church. I know that it exists in other places, this, this, maybe this discontent, but I'm not drawing this off of a personal story. I, like, like I said, I believe that God's given this to me in May, and it's been, it's been dwelling within me for a long time. This is meant for a deep realization. Luke 15, 4 through 7. I'm going to read this out of my Bible here. Well, this is another parable. This is the parable of the lost sheep. And Jesus told a parable. Verse 4, Luke 15, 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the thirty-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Verse seven, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you want, you can get mad at this, at this moment, but I read from the Bible, so... Uh. <laughs> we should be desiring to see those who don't know Christ come to know him. Why? Because there's more celebration in heaven over somebody coming to Christ rather than somebody just becoming a better Christian. Our, our, our purpose, we do come together. We encourage one another. And, and the leaders are meant to equip the saints for ministry. But that ministry, building up the body of Christ. <clears throat> we should be like the party in the Father's house and celebrate with the people that have that moment where they realize, I need Jesus. I need that relationship. 
We should be living with purpose burning in our hearts. We should be looking to superior and surrounding areas saying, there are people that need to know Jesus, and I'm not just going to allow that for somebody else to take, to take up that mantle. That's not somebody else's job. That's not somebody, else to, to, that's not somebody else's job to go out and reach them. My heart burns for them. My desire is to see them have that light bulb moment where they realize I need Jesus. When the, when's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus who didn't already know him? When's the last time you've talked to somebody who doesn't, who, about Jesus who doesn't actually know him yet? This question convicts me. Like I said, I've had this sermon burning within me since May. Somebody, told the, the, somebody had told me the parable of, of, the, of the prodigal son, and when they got to the end, they started, we started having, there was this conversation that was going on in my mind about what it means to truly know people, what it, what it means to truly have a desire to see people come to Christ. So in May, I decided, yeah, this is where we need to go. Like, God, I feel like you're right. This is where we need to go. But then I started putting meat on the bones to this sermon about August. And when I started going through this sermon, and I asked myself this question, when's the last time that I've talked to somebody about Jesus that doesn't already know them? My heart sank. I'm being vulnerable with you all right now. I'm not being vulnerable in order to gain sympathy or to get dirty, dirt, uh, dirty looks or anything like that. Like, you're a pastor, how dare you? But I'm being vulnerable right now in saying that a month ago, I couldn't remember the last time that I had talked to somebody who didn't know Jesus about Jesus in recent history. I, I, I couldn't remember in August. I tell, I tell this story, I, I, I'm vulnerable in this way because I believe that if I'm vulnerable as a pastor, it doesn't make it right, but as a pastor, if I have a moment where I'm realizing that I, I can't remember the last time that I talked to somebody about Jesus who didn't already know him, then I'm sure that there's some other people out there that can feel a little bit at ease, that they're not, they're not beyond hope. We need to be working at this together. No, I, I know I'm not alone in this. We need to desire the light bulb moments in more people. We need to desire these moments where the light bulb turns on and, and in their mind they're realizing, I need Jesus. I need this love. I need this relationship. I need this grace. I need this salvation. When we, have that real, when, when we see people have that realization, that light bulb moment, that I need Jesus, that should give us excitement. We should be celebrating with this person. We should be happy and overjoyed. And you know how that takes place? When, when, when our mindset is changed, when, when we ha- have this desire in our hearts to see people have these light bulb moments, our perspective changes. And you know what changes? Our desire to do ministry and how we do ministry Ministry is no longer a burden, but a joy. When we have this 
compassion in our hearts to see people have these moments where they realize they need Jesus. Ministry is all of a sudden a joy. It's an opportunity. It's no longer a burden. Volunteering is no longer a job. It's an opportunity. When we start living with purpose, when we start living with purpose of seeing others know Christ, we want to do our part to help them see that through. And with that, how that takes place when you're in the nursery, you realize that there's people coming with kids and they're coming to hear this message. They're coming to hear God's, uh, God's word. They might have a light bulb moment. I am taking joy in this moment where I can realize that this child is being cared for. And that, that, that family, that young couple, or, that, or, or older couple, middle-aged couple, all the couples, but all the, they realize that they can have, they're that much closer to a light bulb moment. Because I'm in the nursery, I'm taking care of their child. They don't have to wrestle and bustle with them. Now that's a burden. Children are not burdens. But when you're at youth group on Wednesday night, you know that you're helping a student get closer to a light bulb moment because you're helping them by, by, do, by, by doing a game, by helping them focus in, helping them hear the word of God, know God's love when you're, at, when you're at Wednesday night volunteering. And then you realize, I'm helping these students get closer to a light bulb moment. When you join a connect group and then you invite somebody new and you're like, come join we're going to learn more about this subject in the Bible. And then they are that much closer to a light bulb moment. They're that much closer to realizing God's love in their lives because you invited them. Because God should be honored through this. We should be desiring this. Here I am yelling. purpose is clear. Where are you this morning? Do you truly desire to see others have their light bulb moments? Do you truly desire those who don't know Christ already to have that moment where they realize they need Jesus? And when they have that light bulb moment, are you there ready to celebrate with them? truly desire to see others have their light bulb moments and when I ask that question I, I don't doubt most, most if not all people here would automatically say yes in their minds but then here comes the follow up question and we can't dodge this one if you truly desire to see light bulb moments in other people can you say that you've been doing everything in your power to do that and doing everything in your power to put that into action that I haven't. I haven't been. And I'm willing to bet that there are others like me, like me here today as well. So I'm, I'm, right now I'm going to call up some people to pray. Those who I have invited to pray earlier, if you could please come forward. There's, we have an opportunity to respond today. We have an opportunity step out and say I am taking up 
this challenge. I want to desire light bulb moments in other people. I want to desire to see other people get it that they need Jesus. I'm not just standing by anymore. I'm not going to be taking this moment where I just feel like it's somebody else's job. This is my purpose. This is my desire. If you have that this morning, I'm going to invite you to come forward and pray. Pray with anybody up front. We have students and adults alike. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. I can tell you I'm going to be the first person to pray with these people. Because it starts with the leadership. Leadership needs to get on board with this. I need to get on board with this. But if our perspective as Central Assembly is going to change, we've got to take that first step. Our passion needs to burn for people that don't know Jesus. Our passion needs to burn for them to have that moment where they realize that they need Jesus. So I'm going to pray. And we're going to take that moment right now to ask God for that. So let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you for how you continue to work in our lives. How, how you've been working here at Central Assembly and how we've been able to build each other up and create a family here at Central Assembly. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your guidance, God. Lord, we know that you're guiding this church and its leadership. We also know that we need to be, we need to be living out our purpose also of finding new souls for you. Finding people that know that might not know that they need you yet but then having that light bulb moment, realizing your love and your, and your grace for them, your salvation. God, I pray that we have a desire to see these moments in, in more people. I pray that this congregation, this family, would have a desire to see more light bulb moments across Superior and its surrounding areas. And God, as, as we have this moment to pray and respond, I pray that you would truly work in our hearts now, God. Help us to live out your will here at Central. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I invite you to come pray.